something that the critical race theorists are guilty of is this, looking at history through a present lens. It's coming up on July 4th. I'm Brian Sussman. This is the Hidden Headlines podcast, Faith, Family, Freedom. And I thought for this special edition on Independence Day, as we celebrate this wonderful holiday, which of course the critical race theorists completely deny, we're going to look at the lives of some individuals who basically gave all, in some cases did give everything, for the cause of freedom here in the United States of America. I'm glad you're with me. This is Hidden Headlines. The stories of the patriots who founded America are incredibly inspirational, particularly the accounts of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. All those who inscribed their names on this document knew that by doing so, they and their families would become targets of the British crown. As B.J. Lossing wrote in his 1848 book entitled Signers of the Declaration of Independence. The signing of that instrument was a solemn act and required great firmness and patriotism in those who committed it. It was treason against the home government, yet perfect allegiance to the law of right. It subjected those who signed it to the danger of an ignominious death yet it entitled them to the profound reverence of a disenthralled people. I often imagine the conversations that must have taken place between the signers and their wives prior to the vote to accept the declaration on July 4, 1776. These men, all but one, were married Benjamin Franklin, by the way, his wife had passed away many years earlier, so he was the only single signer of this declaration. The family unit at that particular time was very secure in those days. The bonds of marriage were exceptionally strong. There were 55 exchanges that must have sounded something like this prior to a decision to sign. A husband might have said, My vote and subsequent signature will guarantee vigorous persecution. The British and their allies may well come after you and our children. We will be despised by the crown. Wife, but if we don't proclaim our independence, the children will grow up forever subservient to the king. Husband, we talk much about being ready to give all for this new land our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. The battles ahead will not be easy. Wife, neither will liberty. Sign it. I could see that happening in my household. Sometimes my wife wife has the stronger and more convincing voice when I'm pondering a decision that needs to be made. And I'm sure that many of you have understood that same dynamic and experienced it for yourself. Now, at this point in our Hidden Headlines podcast, I should probably mention to you that I'm reading directly from my book, Eco-Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. 
Uh, it's interesting because I was so widely criticized when I wrote my first book, Climategate, and then the second book, Eco-Tyranny, criticized, of course, for being a climate denier. However, those who criticize me, of course, never read my books. These books are as much about communism and that type of tyranny as they are about the climate. And so I'm reading to you from Eco-Tyranny, and this is a chapter of the book wherein I just show you how I'm so, so grateful for those who came before me. So grateful for those who just laid it all out on the table and said, if I die, I die. Whatever happens, happens. I'm thinking of future generations. So in saying that, there are three signers. And again, I'm reading, for the most part, right from the book. There are three signers whose lives have always been of particular interest to me. The first is Richard Stockton. He's one of the signers. You've probably never heard of him before. Stockton's grandparents came to New York about 1660, eventually settling near Princeton, New Jersey, where Richard would be born in 1730. Stockton became a highly regarded attorney and in 1766, again, he's only 36 years old by this time, embarked for London, where his legal skills were honored by the king. He returned home in 1768. Stockton was chosen as a member of the Royal Executive Council of New Jersey and eventually placed on the bench of the New Jersey Supreme Court. Big deal, right? A big deal. While it would have been natural for Stockton to remain a loyal and wealthy subject of the king, he longed for liberty and began to espouse the cause of the colonial patriots. The Provincial Congress of New Jersey elected him a delegate to the Continental Congress in 1776, where he became deeply involved in the debate for independence. On July 4th, he voted for the Declaration and, with the others, signed the document on August 2nd. Soon after returning to his estate in Princeton, word came that the British Army was coming through the area in pursuit of General Washington and his small band of soldiers. Aware that he was on the British hit list, Stockton and his wife Annis hastily gathered their children and fled to a friend's farm some 30 miles away. However, a neighbor, faithful to the crown, discovered Stockton's hideaway. A group of loyalists stormed the farm and captured Stockton and presented him to the royal authorities. Stockton was jailed, treated extremely poorly, nearly dying of starvation. In time, Congress was able to take up his cause and arranged a prisoner exchange to free him from his captors. Upon release, Stockton was in terrible health, he was able to secure transportation to his estate in Princeton and was shocked to find his home destroyed, his livestock slaughtered, his horses gone, and his wife and children in tatters. Stockton never recovered. He suffered from chronic illness, depression, and eventually died in 1781. 
He was 51 years of age. His wife and the children were cared for by family and friends. It's Richard Stockton and his wife, Annis. Francis Lewis was born in Wales in 1713. Again, you've probably never heard of Francis Lewis, but he's one of the 56. He was orphaned at the age of five and raised by relatives. My goodness, isn't it amazing? We, we hear so much about all these white, privileged people. And, and this is a white guy who was born in Wales, an orphan at the age of five, and raised by relatives. Despite all of those challenges, he was able to receive a college education, paid for it on his own, in London, and became a business apprentice, and earnestly saved his money. At the age of 21, he decided he would set sail for New York where he was able to establish an importing business. He's 21 years old. In 1756, during the French and Indian War, Lewis was a special aide to the British forces, supplying them with uniforms and other critical supplies. He was on business at Fort Oswego when a bloody battle broke out against the French aggressors. Lewis, again, he's, he's not in the military. He was taken prisoner and sent to France aboard a ship, cruelly housed in a small wooden box. Upon his release from prison at the close of the war, Lewis was rewarded for his service to the crown with 5,000 acres of land in New York. Again, while one might think that such a man would be forever loyal to Great Britain, my goodness, he was given all of this land by the king. It was a reward for his, his patience and suffering under the hands of French aggressors. But while one might think that such a man would be forever loyal to Great Britain, such was not the case for Lewis. This is a man who was able to think for himself. You know, that's a problem that we have in this society today. People are taught what to think not how to think. We have this going on in our public schools, our public colleges, even many private colleges. They're taught what to think, not how to think. Lewis knew how to think for himself. Now, I'm, I'm speaking away from the book at this point in time. This is a guy who grew up an orphan, and somehow he was able to cobble enough money together to get to college, and in short order, become a successful businessman. So he's given 5,000 acres of land in New York. He saw how the edicts from England were strangling freedom in the colonies. And according to Lossing, the book that I quoted from earlier, Lewis was dearly holding to his Republican views, as they were known at the time, his Republican views. Lewis's wife, Elizabeth, was also a devout patriot and fervently supported her husband when he was elected a delegate to the General Congress in 1775 and signed the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia the following year. Once the Declaration was signed, 
the British placed a price upon the head of Francis Lewis. Before he was able to reach home on Long Island, this is after signing the declaration, now he's on his way back home to Long Island, ground troops and a warship were sent to seize his wife and destroy his property. Elizabeth watched from a balcony as a cannonball crashed into a wall immediately next to her. Immediately, a servant shouted, Run, mistress, run! Mrs. Lewis calmly replied, Another shot is not likely to strike the same spot, and she refused to budge. Soldiers soon entered the home and destroyed all of the books and all of the papers, the entire library. They ruthlessly pillaged the entire property. Elizabeth Lewis was taken to New York and thrown into prison. She was not allowed a bed or a change of clothing and given little to eat. The critical race theorist might have a problem with this next part of what I write. I'm not sure if this person that I'm about to describe was a slave or perhaps a former slave. I don't know. I just know from the documents that I've been able to read, he was known as a former family African servant. A former family African servant. So maybe he was emancipated. I don't know. But he was at one time, I'm sure, a slave. Nevertheless, listen to this. A former family African servant discovered her location and was able to smuggle some small articles of clothing to her and some food. He also reported her whereabouts and condition to Congress. Demands were then made for her better treatment. So it's interesting because this former family African servant didn't seem to have a chip on his shoulder. He wanted to save this particular person. He wanted to save this particular person named Elizabeth Lewis, who was white. The British were determined to make an example of Mrs. Lewis and her prominence and her wealth. And of course, the fact that her husband signed the declaration. Finally, General Washington was able to broker a prisoner exchange and Elizabeth was able to join her husband in Philadelphia. However, it was plain to everyone that because of her mistreatment as a prisoner, she was broken in health and was slowly sinking into the grave. Francis Lewis soon asked for a leave of absence from Congress to devote his whole time to his wife, who died in 1779. The third patriot who selflessly endured great sacrifice for the sake of freedom was a humble man named John Hart. He was a former farmer and known throughout New Jersey as Honest John Hart. Fellow signer Benjamin Rush described Honest John as a plain, honest, well-meaning Jersey farmer but with little education, but with good sense and virtue enough to pursue the true interests of his country. That's a quote from fellow signer Benjamin Rush. John Hart. He served with distinction as a justice of the peace and a freeholder. A freeholder was the highest position in county government. 
and in the pre-revolutionary legislatures of New Jersey. So here's a guy without much of an education, or perhaps no formal education, and he was able to move up because of his smarts, because of his common sense, because of his ability to think for himself, because of his love for this new land. However, in 1765, he turned against British authorities over the imposition of the Stamp Act. The Stamp Act, as I described, was a direct tax imposed on the colonies by the British Parliament. The act was created to pay for British troops stationed in North America and mandated that virtually every printed material imaginable be produced on stamped parchment produced in London, carrying an embossed revenue stamp. Like previous taxes, the stamp tax had to be paid in valid British currency, not colonial paper money. The tax enraged many people, like John Hart. In 1774, Hart was elected to the first Continental Congress by the people of New Jersey, and he signed the Declaration of Independence two years later. Immediately after the signing, Hart's life was noted with a series of tragic losses. Again, shortly after signing the Declaration, he was elected to the New Jersey State Assembly and chosen its speaker. Okay, that's good. Knowing he was busy leading the state legislature, royal mercenaries raided his farm, destroyed his livestock, and terrorized his wife, Deborah. Upon learning of the raid, Hart immediately returned home to find his wife very ill. You know, communication was slow to travel back then, and travel itself was an enduring process. He found out, heard, that his entire farm had been destroyed. He gets home, finds out that's the truth, and his wife, simultaneously, has fallen very ill. Hart was at his wife's side when she passed away on October 8, 1776. But his grieving for his wife was interrupted by British troops who were searching for him. He fled into the forest, and his two youngest children ran to the home of a relative. Hart spent an entire winter, and winters in that part of the country, especially, especially during that particular era, were incredibly harsh. It was actually a period of time known as the Little Ice Age. Forgive me for my meteorologist, my inner meteorologist coming out right now. But it must have been a miserable winter. So he fled into the forest. His two youngest children ran to the home of a relative. And he spent that entire winter on the run. He was sleeping in caves, eating very little. What clothing he had, I don't know but he ran out with the clothing on his back. Once it became clear that the British had vacated the area, Hart returned home. Though he was re-elected as Speaker of the Assembly, most accounts state that Honest John's heart was broken. He soon became very ill, and he died at his home May 11, 1779. Richard and Annis Stockton, Francis and Elizabeth Lewis, and John and Deborah Hart took literally the words of the Declaration of Independence, which state, 
and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. If the Stocktons, Lewis's, and Hart's were with us today, what would they instruct us to do? They might well say, arm yourselves with the truth and become engaged in battle for the future of our nation. Arm yourselves with the truth. Think for yourself. Arm yourselves with the truth and become engaged in battle for the future of this nation. But I write in my book, Eco-Tyranny, what does that look like for you and me? In answering that question, one thing I mention in my book, this is on page 240, is that if there's a stirring in your heart, you need to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and do whatever you believe you're called to do. Friends, I really believe that this battle is going to be won on our knees. That's why I call this Hidden Headlines Faith, Family, Freedom. I think faith is, a, is, a, is an essential for winning this battle. I think the battle is going to be won on our knees. Now, that doesn't mean we're just going to simply pray 24-7 for victory. But for some, that may be indeed what you're going to be called to. But for others, it may be something like you know, writing your own book or starting your own blog or running for office or being a community organizer for the truth. I can continue and conclude by saying this. This is the last half page of my, of my book. There are no more excuses. There is little time. We need majorities in Congress to accomplish much of this great work. We need a leader in the White House who will use the authority granted by the Constitution to make the challenging decisions to necessarily turn the good ship USA around. Well, we had a guy in there that was doing just that. Again, this book was written in 2012. Little did I know. Little did I know. As our success grows, the left will become unhinged. Oh, they are. Oh, they, this is, I'm reading this. I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, I was prophetic. Because we had much success during those four years. An immense amount of success. And the left became unhinged. I haven't read this for quite some time. And the media unglued, I write. Oh, my gosh. But I continue, liberty is not about popularity. It comes at a great price. And look at all of the wonderful people, the wonderful patriots who have been canceled. Look at those wonderful patriots, everyday folks who have lost their livelihood over this. I close this podcast and I close the book with the words of Patrick Henry. I'm just going to read this word for word. I close with the words of Patrick Henry the rhetorical backbone of the American Revolution. Wonderful Christian man, tremendous patriot. Here's what he said. If you make the citizens of this country agree to become the subjects of one great consolidated empire of America, your government 
will not have sufficient energy to keep them together. Such a government is incompatible with the genius of republicanism. There will be no checks, no real balances in this government. If our descendants be worthy of the name of Americans, they will preserve and hand down to their latest posterity the transactions of the present times. That's Patrick Henry, June 5th. 1788. I conclude the book and I conclude the podcast with these words. We must restore and preserve our nation as originally founded if we are to have anything of value to leave to our posterity. It will certainly take much sacrifice and determination, but with God's help, it can be done. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. Thank you for joining me in this special edition, the July 4th Independence Day edition of Hidden Headlines. By the way, I want to encourage you to take a listen to my podcast, Another Chance, the Another Chance Daily Devotion. It's a podcast that comes out each and every day, about 15 minutes in length, It's designed to encourage you and inspire you with words from the Scripture. Again, check that out, and I thank you ahead of time. Brian Sussman, signing off. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Happy Independence Day.